while the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know wherefore, we're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. Hey, well, good morning. If I have not gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Joy Gonzalez and I'm the campus pastor here at Uptown Church and it is so good to see you as Elizabeth said. And we are continuing this series called Crazy Like Us. And for the past few weeks, this series has been all about generosity. And I have been upfront and honest and I will be upfront and honest again with you. We are talking about generosity in terms of your financial resources. Now that is not the full scope of generosity. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your talents. You can be generous with how you treat and care for people. But we are specifically talking about being generous with your treasure in this series. And there's a specific reason we're doing that, and it's because of something Jesus said almost 2,000 years ago that still rings true today. And Jesus says this about our financial assets, about our stuff, our treasure. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, Jesus is telling us that where you invest your resources, particularly your financial resources and assets, your treasure, your stuff, that is the direction in which you often move your life, that your heart follows your money and your stuff. And so it's really important to talk about how we handle our stuff. And years ago, this was illuminated to me in my own life. Right after college, I had my first job, you know, like I was making real money and on a ladder going, I don't know where, but climbing, you know, and starting to build my life as a young 20-something with all these dreams, particularly around what I was gonna have and how much money I was going to make. But there was a point in my life early on where I thought, you know, I have the stuff that I want and I'm on the right trajectory to get more of what I want and life to turn out the way I want it to, but I feel pretty empty. I, I felt purposeless. Like I didn't know where my life was really aiming and what direction it was going in. Can you relate to that? A moment where you're just like, what is all of this for? And so I decided, you know, I was going to take an inventory of my life. Um, I'm usually pretty calculated and organized, so I, like, got out my legal pad, and, and I'm inventorying my life. Well, where do I spend my time? Who are my friends? And I got to how I spend my money. And so I inventoried the previous month's statement of how I spent my money. Y'all, I spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, almost not hundreds, of dollars on beverages. I will not tell you what all those beverages were. 
But I can assure you, even though there was a lot of Starbucks on that list, that was not the majority of the beverages pushing my um, spending habits up. And I realized, I was like, surely I haven't consumed that many beverages. But then I began to look at, too, where I was spending my time and where my heart was, and it started to make sense. Because when you consume that many beverages, you're not really keen to getting up on Sunday morning to go to church. So I wasn't at church. And you usually don't show up on Saturday morning to serve at Austin Street Center when you drink a few too many, okay? And I realized, without even knowing it, because I wasn't paying attention where my treasure was going, was determining where my heart and my life was going, and it was not the place I wanted to go. The good news is about this brilliant insight of Jesus is that if where your treasure goes is an indication of where your heart is, then if you switch where your treasure goes, you can actually switch the direction of your heart and your life. And so I decided, okay, I, I don't wanna spend one that much money on just wasteful stuff and those habits, so I'm gonna cut it off at the source. And I was already giving to my local church that I was not going to. Because <laughs> my parents taught me, you give 10% of your income, so for like every $10 I got an allowance, I was always giving one to Jesus from the time I was little. So I was already doing that with my income, but I realized I'm gonna start redirecting what I spend in this useless habit into giving it away. And I had a friend who was starting in India, a nonprofit where she was using art therapy to help rehabilitate young girls who were coming out of sex trafficking. And art therapy was a way in which they would be able to talk about their experience and their trauma in a safe environment and begin to find healing. And that inspired me. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna give this to Rebecca. And so I made a, a donation of ongoing recurring gift to Project Rescue and to Rebecca's art therapy work. And month after month after month, let me tell you, my life did begin to change. Changing the direction of my treasure changed the direction of my heart and my life. And a year after that was the first time I remember hearing God's calling on my life to go into ministry. So we're talking about gener generosity in terms of our financial assets, our treasure, because Jesus says what you do with your stuff, with your treasure, determines the trajectory of your life, and more than that, the trajectory of our world and our city. And that's a big deal. But when we talk um, about generosity, when we talk about how we spend our resources, we, we brought this up last week, we're kind of given two ways, two kind of main umbrellas and viewpoints and lens to view how we spend our money. One being that, the road and trajectory of generosity, and the other one looking a little bit more like this. Well, I don't think you can see what it looks like, but you can hear the ominous music, can't you? <laughs> okay, we'll just let that finish. <laughs> oh, there you go. It was a really great video. <laughs> 
and I'm super embarrassed. Um, but that video was supposed to be of hamsters on a hamster wheel because that is usually the, the sort of financial plan many of us are given in, in the world. Many of us, we don't really have much of a plan for our finances and our habits usually indicate that we've picked up from culture, maybe our parents, our friends, the media we're consuming. We pick up this sort of hamster wheel type of, of financial engagement where we think I will get more, 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 more and I'll be happier, 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 but what ends up happening is more, more, more leads to worry, 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 and round and round we go. Because we oftentimes worry about money. We worry about, well, I have enough to buy the house. Well, I have enough um, to get a new car. Well, I have enough to get married. Well, I have enough for my kids to go to college. Well, I have enough um, to retire. Well, I have enough for that vacation that I want. Well, I have enough to leave something to my grandkids. Well, I have enough. But then what we're told to do is worry about not having enough, but then go do some retail therapy, you know? So I'm gonna go spend more money. I'm gonna worry about my money, but then I'm gonna spend all the money coming in and maybe a little bit more than that. And so we just go round and round on this cycle, this crazy cycle of worrying about our money, feeling the pressure of our finances, but overextending ourselves. And we think that more, just getting more money will get us more happiness or will solve the kind of crazy cycle we find ourselves on. But what we talked about last week is usually what happens is more money just means more spending, that we increase our spending with every zero that we bring in, we add a zero over here to what is going out. And so we find ourselves just stuck. And Jesus says, there is another way to live. He says, that way of being is driven usually by this assumption that everything that comes to me is for my consumption. That everything that comes to me is meant for me. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. There's a better way to live. Understanding that all of our resources maybe aren't just for us because maybe they're not ours in the first place. Maybe they don't belong to us to begin with. And so Jesus says, you know what, if you wanna get off this crazy cycle, if you wanna get out of the assumption that everything you have and everything that comes to you is for you, if you wanna get off the crazy belief that you own it, even though you can't take it with you when you're gone, which means you don't own it. If you can't take it with you when you leave, it's not yours. You're managing it for a time. And Jesus says this, that to get off this cycle, we need generosity. We need generosity. It's the off-ramp. Some people think it's crazy to be generous, but Jesus says, well, choose your crazy. Choose the worry cycle, and never satisfied, or what generosity offers us. Generosity, Jesus says, is the blessed way to live, the more happy life, because it helps us to get money's hold on us off. It reminds us that we are not possessed by our stuff, but rather we're given over to it to use. 
And if we're gonna get in this idea of generosity, because generosity, as we've talked about, isn't just random acts of giving. Many of us are good at that. You see an appeal on TV, something going on, and you text the seven-digit number and instantly give. So many of us are good at that. Many of you are incredible givers when you hear of a need that's going on. But Jesus says generosity is more than a random act of giving, that it is ordering your life through the lens of generosity. And that flips the paradigm that we've been given, the script we've been given on how resources should flow through our life. See, generosity inverts our typical flow of resources. So generosity looks more like this. You give first, you save second, and then you live on the rest. You give first, save, and then live on the rest. But typically, in culture, we've been told this. No, no, no. You live, you consume, then you save some, because that's a smart thing to do, right? You gotta save for your future. And then, whatever you have left over, you give away. This is kind of the typical way our resources, our money especially, flows through our life and our possession. And for many of us, what ends up happening then is that's where we get in that idea of random acts of giving. Because if we have something left, if there's something sparingly, then we can sporadically give it. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Generosity is this. Ordering your life around generosity is starting with giving. It is starting with letting go before you even begin to consume or save for you. And it's, it's crazy because it's not what we're told to do. Giving first, ordering our life around generosity looks like this. Starting with that spreadsheet and you've got your income and then the next thing you've got is your giving line item. And you put in that amount and then all the figures adjust themselves. And then from there you budget, okay, so what am I gonna live on and what am I gonna save for the future? And that's crazy to us because it's not how we've been taught to be. And we don't even sometimes know how to do that. Well, how do I even give first? Shouldn't I just see what I have left to give because I need to see what I, I live on? But this is where the definition that we've been working from on generosity that we got from Andy Stanley um, plays into it. That we see generosity, we see giving, we figure out what that number is that we're going to start with by this. We follow this pathway that generosity, if it's not random giving, if we're ordering our life around it, then it's got to be premeditated, calculated, designated, and the emancipation or freedom of the letting go of our personal financial assets. And, and if you walk through this, and we've done that a little bit the last few weeks, premeditated, one, you have to have a plan to be generous, to live in such a way where you order your life around generosity, where you start with giving, you have to make a plan to do that, to be generous. If you're gonna give first, save second, and then live on the rest, you gotta plan for that. We can't drift into that, right? Because then you have to figure out how to live on what is left over. 
And so you make a plan for giving. Generosity starts strategically. And most of the generous people that you have ever met in your life, if you talk to them, yeah, they might do random acts of giving, but most of them plan to be generous and they're strategic with what they do with their resources. The second part of that is you have to calculate. Not only plan to give, but you have to calculate how much to give. Again, if you're gonna reorder your entire life around generosity, you're figuring out how much you put at the beginning of that spreadsheet to do your life budget. And so you've gotta come up with an amount, and that's where random giving doesn't always fit into that. Because you gotta start with knowing what you can work your life around. One of the easiest ways my husband and I have done this is mostly how we were taught to do this, how I usually advise most people to do this, is picking a percentage. It's usually the easiest way for most people and most productive way to structure your life around giving is not so much focus on the amount, raw dollars, but the percentage of your income that you want to just go ahead and designate. And the cool thing is when you pick a percentage, is that as that income goes up, what happens with your giving amount? Those grow together most often. And that is an incredible way to continue to grow into generosity. So you calculate, pick that amount that you're gonna start with and then build your life around. And then the next part of this definition is designated. And this is probably the most fun part of this definition. How many of you are thinking like, that is not a fun definition, Joy? <laughs> I, I will give you that. It is a working definition. But designated, because that is the point in being generous in which you determine where your money and your resources go. And that's going back to that treasure following your heart. Where do you feel your heart led to give to? Where are you matching the stuff that you have with the passion and the desires God has given you? Where do those meet? Because here's the deal about the crazy cycle we live in where we just consume, 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 is that we are reduced to consumers. Is that that crazy cycle of spending and using everything that comes to us, it simply reduces us to consumers in this world. And what if you were made to be more than a consumer? What if you were made to be more than a consumer in this world? I think we were made to be more than consumers. I think scripture shows us that we were made not simply to just consume, but to co-create with God. We were made as creators, as partners with God in this world. And so when we use everything that comes to us, we, we sidestep the very reason we are alive to work with God in making this world more like God imagines it to be. I mean, have you ever looked at something in the world and thought, that is not fair. That is not good. This is the point in generosity where your brokenness over something in the world gets answered. What if you could do something about the things in the world you wanna fix, the things you see in the church that need to be fixed? 
designating your resources as that act of doing that, matching your heart with God's heart, matching your resources, doing something about what you see in the world. You being a creator rather than simply a consumer. And there are two ways I think you can designate how you spend your resources, things that play into this idea of how we create with God. One, you give from a grateful heart, and then two, from a broken heart. And that's simply this, asking one, what are you grateful for? What are you grateful for? What has blessed your life? What has changed your life? Is it the church? Has there been an organization that when you needed help, blessed you? What are you grateful for? Start there. Because that's a good way to start designating what God's given to you. And the second thing is what breaks your heart? What are you broken over? What do you look at in the world and say, why, why, God, why? And God's saying, okay, what will you now give to that? Where will you match your brokenness and your gratitude to the world's deep need? And the cool thing about this is that saving in our life can often be defined as saying yes to you, saying yes to your future. But I love this. Generosity is how you say yes, not only to God and God's work in the world, but what's important to you. It's giving wings and flight and passion and real legs to what you care about. If you care about feeding people in our city, about doing outreach work, are you giving to places and organizations that help bless others? If you think church should be a place everyone can be a part of and you have found a place that's blessed you, are you giving to that so more people can be involved in it? If you think we need to eradicate poverty in our city and our world, are you giving toward that? Generosity is how you say yes to making a difference and creating with God. And the incredible thing is that that is what the early church did. That when we see the early group of Christians who came together, they lived out generosity in this way. They ordered their life around generosity. And from the very first time that they began to give, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, he writes about this in 1 Corinthians. He gives an account of the people taking a collection. He says, here's instruction about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatians churches to do. He's saying basically do what I've told everybody else to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will even have to be made. And he's saying that, plan it out, set aside, calculate, decide, designate what you're going to give. And the cool thing is they probably said, well, Paul, how much? How much should we give? Just tell us like, what's the going rate on this generosity thing? And Paul said, here's the deal, in keeping with your income. He says, and the Greek term for that and that phrase is literally as you have prospered, so give out of that. Now, many of us might think, oh, I don't know if I could say I prospered. Paul, you know, prosper is like a big word. And you say, well, 
did you go to Starbucks this week? I did. Did you, did you go out to eat this week? I'm just listing off the things I did. Did you buy a new pair of shoes? Did you get something for your kids? We, most of us, have been richly blessed by just our circumstance of being here now where we are in this world, our place in this world. And so Paul would say, so then tell me, what are you grateful for and what has broken your heart? And the cool thing is when Paul is talking to the church and instructing them, this is literally for the first time, we're reading of the first collections the church ever took as a body of believers. What was going on behind the scenes is that he is taking up a collection for the church at Jerusalem because those Christians had been ostracized from the Jewish temples in which they had been, been a part of. They have no longer been able to get work because of the Roman Empire's suspicion against Christianity. And so they're struggling to just make it. And so Paul says, give to them because you are thankful for them. The Jerusalem church was at the epicenter of the Christian movement. All these churches wouldn't be here without them. So he says, we're grateful for them. And then he says, we're gonna give to them because we're broken over what's happening to them because we don't want their church to shut its doors because there are more people that need Jesus and they need our help. And so that is what Paul is instructing them to give. That's the backdrop of this. And he says, and then when I arrive, we will take it and we'll give it to Jerusalem. I won't even take it myself for accountability's sake. We'll give it to somebody, but we will take it to them. We won't have to take up in a collection because we will have already planned for it. And the amazing thing with this is, and we talked about this the first week in this series, the incredible thing is that the early Christians, because they adopted this idea of generosity, because they began to take up collections to support local churches and then work in their city, the Christian movement became an irresistible movement. People began to think those people are crazy because they're so good. Who are those people? Why would they give to the poor? Why would they help people who are down and out? The Christian movement was irresistible and spread like wildfire all throughout the world. We're in this room today because they took to heart this idea of generosity and supporting the local work of God in their city and the world. Friends, there is a way to handle your money that's crazy. The hamster wheel, more, 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 consume, 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 worry, 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 and round and round we go. But there's another way to handle your finances, your treasure, your resources, and it's pretty crazy too. Generosity, to live like the early church and give yourself away so much so that it catches people's attention that they can't help but notice the work of God through the local church because those people are so crazy, generous. And I think the early church would tell us if they were here today, those early Christians, they would say, hey, if you have a choice to make, be crazy like us. Be crazy like us, not trusting in your riches, but trusting in the God who richly provides and can do more than you can think or imagine. And I think they would say, be crazy like us. 
Be happy, be blessed, not on the hamster wheel of worry, worry, worry. Be crazy like us, giving to a cause bigger than yourself, giving to a cause that will extend beyond yourself. And I think they would tell us the proof, the proof that that makes all the difference in the world and is the right type of crazy is that all of us are here today. They were the first generation of the church and they had no idea if the Jesus movement would continue beyond them, but because they gave, because they were generous, they hoped and they believed and they put action behind it. And 2,000 years later, we're here raising the banner that God is with us and God is for us. Friends, I'm gonna close with this. We have put on your seat um, with your Connect card, the first time ever, a, a pledge card. And if being crazy like the early church sounds at all appealing to you and like what God might be stirring your heart to do, I'm gonna ask that you would take that home with you and you would consider how God might be prompting you, leading you to live a generous life. Would you consider making a plan for generosity here in this place? If you're grateful for what God's done in your life here, if you're broken for the people in our city who still don't know that God's with them and that God is for them and there is a place for everybody to belong and to have voice, would you consider making a plan to not only help us end 2020 strong with an end of year gift, but to pledge a recurring regular gift that you plan on, that you calculate and set free every month for the work of God's kingdom. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this day that you have called us here, that God, it is in you that we have our breath, we have our being, we have our very life. God, would you remind us that you are working in us to partner with you in what you're doing in Dallas and beyond. God, would you give us the audacity to be crazy like the early church. God, ultimately, to be crazy like you, the God who, because you so loved us, gave everything came to us. God, show us what it means to live and be like you, that our world would never be the same and more would know your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? Visit uptownchurchdallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.